Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group, featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents. You'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. Hello again, everybody. This is Brendan Payne, and uh, my partner, Greg Harrelson, is out today, but we've got an incredible guest. I'm excited to bring you Dan Grebe. Dan is going to show us um, exactly where uh, his business has evolved from agent to entrepreneur over the last um, several years and really um, give us some great insight into taking advantage of the opportunities that we all come across and really leveling up our business. So um, without further ado, I'm going to introduce Dan Grebe. Now, Dan has um, got primary uh, markets all over Florida. He's based out of um, the Orlando market and operates in Ocala, Brevard County, Polk County, and has expanded and serves the entire Atlanta, Georgia market. So pleasure to introduce to the podcast, Dan Grebe. Hey, Dan. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Excited to uh, share a little bit of my story about agent to entrepreneur with you. Yeah, I appreciate you being on. And um, so let's let's jump right into it. Um, you obviously have been in the business for a while and, and have evolved from like we all were at one point just listing and selling homes and working with buyers. So can you bring everybody up to speed that doesn't know you and kind of what your story is, how you started and, and where you're at today? Yeah, well, thank you. You know, 14 years ago, I was a police officer making just enough money to be broke all the time. Um, and there was always a little bit extra month uh, left at the end of my money. And uh, I was feeling a lot of financial pain uh, doing what I was doing. I was policing neighborhoods I knew I could never live in. And I was growing increasingly frustrated. So I, uh, I asked myself, you know, if I could go from fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year, and if I could double that, if I could make a hundred thousand dollars a year, I'll be rich. And I started thinking to myself, well, what are the areas in which I could do that? And um, you know, I was a police officer. I worked all the way uh, up through regional task force. Did a bunch of cool stuff. And uh, I started thinking, you know, attorneys make a hundred thousand dollars, and because I'm a police officer, that automatically makes me smarter than all attorneys. I'll just go to law school <laughs> and make a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. But then, but then there was a problem with that is uh, it required more school, more debt. I'm like, you know, it's going to take too long. Can't do that. Well, um, when I was a cop, I also had gone to medical school and had become an EMT paramedic. I'm like, well, I could just cross over, become a nurse, become a nurse practitioner. A nurse practitioner makes $100,000 a year. I could do that. And I'm like, nope, same problem. More schooling, more debt, and it's going to take too long. Yeah. So then I had a friend that sold real estate. And at the time, the average commission was about $5,000 uh, a house. And I was thinking, well, if I could just sell 20 houses uh, a year, I could make $100,000. Uh, and it only took me you know, a week to go to school, five days in a row. And I think it only cost me like $1,000, no debt. And so I, I jumped in both feet into real estate. And uh, that was the beginning of my real estate career. Awesome. And, you know, a couple of things that I want to point out in there that I, I really like is one, you came out of um, an industry that, you know, if we if we're honest with each other and honest with the audience, we're real estate agents, we're not saving lives, we're not risking our lives most of the time. And you came out of a business where my guess is you probably got in some some um, interesting conversations, interesting uh, scenarios. So you saw 
you saw how quickly you had some desire to build something different. And like a lot of us, we probably came from somewhere where we're going, where else can we go without taking on more debt? And that has a little bit lower barrier of entry as opposed to going and being an attorney or a doctor. So obviously, real estate was um, was the pick. Did you get started pretty quickly? Did you, when you got in, was it everything you thought of? Or did, you know, like most people, you had uh, some questions on, boy, is this, was this the right move? Yeah. So for me, um, I jumped in both feet, you know, no plan B, uh, had to make it happen. I needed to, to make a sale my first month. Uh, I actually hired a real estate coach uh, nice. right at the same time I got a license. And there's a funny story, if you don't mind me sharing you with that uh, the story. So um, I actually went to a real estate seminar thinking it was real estate school first. And, um, and, and it was a, a, a very famous guy who teaches prospecting. I'm sure you're going to catch on who that is. And, um, and I went to a seminar and he was up on the stage and, and he was saying, you know, if you do these things, you can make a lot of money and just do this. He was very firm on what you had to do. And he was almost militaristic with his tactics and me coming out of law enforcement. That's exactly what I needed is follow this path, do these things, make these calls, do it at this time and you'll be successful. Well, uh, at intermission, they said, hey, if you'd like to get coaching and accelerate your opportunities to, to, to be successful in real estate, come on down and, and sign up. So I went down to sign up. And when you go to sign up, they do a, a screening interview with you. you know, they make you fill out a bunch of paperwork, you know, how long you've been in the business, how much you have in the bank, what your life's like, what your expenses are, things like that. And so when it was my turn, you know, I handed in my piece of paper and they started looking at it and verifying it. And they said, okay, uh, so how much money do you have in the bank? I said, $3,000. And the coaching was $1,000 a month. And uh, I wrote it right on the piece of paper, $3,000. They said, okay, great. Um, do you have any savings? I said, nope. They said, do you have any uh, stocks or bonds? I said, no, I don't. Do you have any investment properties? Nope. Any other way to generate income other than real estate right now? I said, no, I don't. And they said, well, actually, I'm sorry. Um, I can't let you in the program. Uh, to get into our one-on-one -on -one coaching program, you've got to have some money in the bank, got to have reserves because uh, we're, you know, and, and the coach was kind of cool and was trying to help me out and said, because if you don't pay your bill, this guy will sue you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and, um, and I'm like, well, I really want in. And they're like, sorry, you can't be in. So I was a little rejected. You know, I turned around and walked away. And I noticed that like, the line was relatively long and there was multiple people uh, doing screening interviews. And, uh, and I didn't think they had the ability to verify anything that was on your piece of paper. So I grabbed another piece of paper and I changed all my answers and I went and got in a different line. And they said, how much money do you have in the bank? And I said, $30,000. <laughs> they said, do you have any rental properties? I said, sure do. They said, uh, how many? I said, three. They said, do you have any stocks or bonds? And this is how I answered it. I said, yes. And they said, what kind? And I had never owned a stock or bond. That's didn't know. And here was my answer. What kind of, what kind of, uh, what kind of stocks or bonds do you have? And I said, the ones from Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that was it. I was in coaching and, uh, nice. and I need to make a sale my first month. Uh, my first month I did make a sale. And by month five, I actually hired my coach for twice a week. Uh, they gave me a little break. So it wasn't a thousand dollars times two. It was $1,600 a month. And my coach coached me every Tuesday and Thursday uh, for that whole year. And, uh, I accelerated my growth and I went from, my goal was to sell 20 houses and make a uh, hundred thousand dollars. 
and I sold 42 houses and made $242,000. Wow. That's incredible. So that was year one and great, great story. Um, that's, yeah, that, that is incredible. That, so a a real good example of tenacity, which will I'm sure come up in some other threads uh, that you tell us about. So, um, year one accomplished the goal, which was if I could, if I could double my income and make a hundred thousand dollars. And so that you, you saw how easy with a little bit of commitment and a little bit of training and a little bit of, um, of desire, you could do that. What was, what was the next step? Take us from, as you evolved in becoming, um, uh, a better agent, then clearly there was a business mentality that started to, to, to develop because you, you've expanded well beyond that. So at what point do you think that you stopped looking at it as I can go and just do transactions and make a really, really good living and started realizing some of the things that were around you and started treating it like a business? Yeah. Well, great question. Before I answer that, can I ask you to ask me another question first? For sure. So ask me about year two and three. Okay. Tell me about what year two and three looked like after you did a um, doubled your transactions and made 200,000. So I made $242,000 and I took the advice of real estate agents on what house I should buy, what car I should drive and what I should do with my money. And what do you think happened the next year? 14 years ago was 2005. So the market tanked. Correct. So my house got foreclosed on. uh, I'm happy to tell you that I set the record for paying the most amount for a home in the neighborhood uh, that I bought my home in. And I think I still own that record. No one has ever paid more for a home in that neighborhood. Uh, that, is, that, is a, that is not an accomplishment you necessarily want to have. Our house got foreclosed on. Uh, my wife's car got repossessed. I had roped uh, two of my cop buddies into buying investment properties. And both of those properties got repossessed as well, uh, foreclosed on. And uh, I found myself uh, year two and three uh, with my hands, uh, my face in my hands, crying and saying, God, like, how did you let me get here? Mm. You know, I know that I made just enough money to be broke all the time in, um, as, a, uh, as a cop, but now you've taken me to a worse place. Mm. Why would you let this happen to me, God? And, um, and, I, and I remember like, actually going and seeing a bankruptcy attorney. You know, all my gurus in real estate were getting filing bankruptcy. And, um, and, and I'm a man of principle, not to say bankruptcy is bad, but I had never contemplated bankruptcy or thought of bankruptcy in my life. And uh, I do recognize that it's, it's a necessary for some businesses to restructure or to handle debt or whatever. But for me, it sounded like I needed the government to save me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it just wasn't, it wasn't going to work for me. So I made a commitment that I would not declare bankruptcy, that I would fight my way out of it. And then I would spend whatever I needed to do. And I was looking at $70,000 in IRS debt, multiple foreclosures, car repossessed, destroyed credit. And the only thing that I had was a job, a very high paying job that would pay me extremely well if I worked extremely hard and got really good. Mm -hmm. So it took me about four years to get out of debt. Um, And as a result, I had to pay off a lot of debt. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to buy a house owner financed uh, a year after, um, you know, 
a year after the foreclosure started on my house because it didn't get completed by the time I moved out. My foreclosure still hadn't been completed. Um, and, I, and I was able to move into a new house and, and kind of restart reestablishing myself. Uh, definitely humbled me. But here's the lesson in that. And I'm a religious guy at some levels. And I, I want you to, this doesn't have to be a religious call, but here's what I personally believe. I believe that there are going to be times in your life where you go through it. And we've all gone through it. We've all gone through something. And in this case, um, I had to go through it as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and when you're going through it, no matter what that going through it is, the question I asked myself then, and I, I got very good at asking myself now, is simply this. God, what are you preparing me for? Now, mm-hmm. 10 years later, I'm on the other side of this. I'm my family's first millionaire. I understand finances at a different level. I understand the dangers of debt. I understand the pitfalls of an ego. I understand uh, the, why prudence is important when you invest. I understand the benefits of leverage, insurance, things like that. And where did I learn those? I learned, I learned all the mountaintop experiences in the deepest, darkest levels of the valley. Mm-hmm. And that's the only place that my ego would allow me to learn them. And I think that that's the reality for most people, that our egos are never going to allow us to slow down and make those decisions that we need to make when we are uh, at the mountaintop, when everything's working. It's a struggle. Like, I already got it all figured out. What do I need help on this for? Why would I change what I'm doing? It's already working. It's working at a super high level. They give me an award for the most sales, I'm being celebrated as a champion at what I do. Why would I retool that? Why would I relearn that? Well, it's because God's got bigger plans for your life. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you have to go through the valley to get to the mountaintop. And for me, I had to go through the valley to get to the mountaintop. So I'm ready to answer your next question, but I felt like it'd be a little unfair if I didn't tell you how I got there. This call, this podcast would not have been what it's going to be if you would not have asked me to ask that second question. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for being uh, transparent. I mean, that's that uh, I think people are going to understand how rare that is, especially in our business. And you're, that, that is huge. I appreciate that. And I'm going to repeat one of the, one of the best things I've heard in a while. I learned my mountain I had my mountaintop experience in the darkest valleys. That is huge. That is huge. And you're, you're so correct. Our, our egos won't let us look and learn the stuff we need to until we have to sometime. So that's, that's big, 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 big. Um, okay. So you took four years, built your business back up, got out of the valley. What, what happened next? Well, then I started asking myself this question. See, you know, sometimes you have to work to earn. Sometimes you have to work to learn. Sometimes you have to do it all yourself, keep, you know, keep it small and keep it all. But when you keep it small and you keep it all, you lose something. You know, when you say yes to something, you say no to something else. Well, when I said yes to doing all the work myself and keeping all the money, then I was saying no to family time. Yeah. I was saying no to, the, to leverage. And as a result, I had to give up a certain level of freedom. See, a lot of people think that in business that if I become an entrepreneur, whether that be in sales or owning any other type of business, that I'll have more freedom. 
when the reality is, is there's no real freedom in success. Mm-hmm. There is no freedom in success. Greg Harrelson's one of the most successful real estate agents in the country. He's a god at selling real estate. And the reality is he doesn't get to do whatever he wants. Yep. He has to schedule to do, he can schedule to do whatever he wants, but he doesn't just get to decide to do whatever he wants. Yep. And, and that's the, the philosophy that I had to learn is that there's no freedom in success and that through leverage, it would give me the ability to do more. Mm-hmm. The, the expression says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And so I knew I needed to create a tribe of people that would go with me uh, to get to that next level, to, get, to not only be able to make the money, but to also have the time and to, and to start building that quality of life. Yeah. And the freedom is, freedom really is, um, and this is a, people don't figure this out, unfortunately, when they get into the business and, and it takes somebody that can educate them on this, I think, but the freedom's in the discipline in this business. We all got into it because we said, Hey, we can make a really good income and we can work our own schedule and stuff like that, which is usually exactly the mentality that puts people out of business. And the freedom comes in being disciplined so that then at some point you can start making your own decisions and not be run by something else. But if you don't run yourself and you don't run your schedule, then you will not, you don't get most of what this business can offer you. So um, surrounded yourself with people, started building out the team. And then um, are you still selling? So are you still um, listing selling homes or, or what, what have you gone um, in, in gotten into now? Yes. So I do from time to time list and sell houses because I enjoy it and I like to have my foot in the business. I think it's important. I think the real estate business is different than other businesses in that we have such an incredibly high margin Mm -hmm. and that we have the ability to, um, when you look at a dollar uh, per hour activity, there's no place to make more money than selling real estate. Um, conceivably you can recruit and get a bigger team, but on a dollar for dollar, we've done the math dollar for dollar, minute for minute. You cannot make more money than selling real estate than just selling real estate within your own organization. Right. So so for me, I do sell real estate from time to time. For the most part, I'm what I call a, a big game hunter. So I go after big clients and bring them in. And then my, then my, my business handles it. So, uh, you know, like for example, we work with builders, new construction builders. We work with hedge funds, banks, attorney firms. You know, anybody that can bring us five to ten transactions to one relationship, I call that one to many relationships. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I do for the company. And then my agents on the ground go out there and list the individual homes on behalf of those those things. And then I've also expanded, you know, as I've said before, into other areas. Now you can't expand into other areas. Uh, with an agent mindset. You have to have an entrepreneurial business mindset. Now, my, what I shared with you year two and three, that's where I learned how to be an entrepreneur and to have a business mindset. Because yep. I had to start operating from a PL. Mm-hmm. I no longer could commingle my money. I was in trouble with the IRS. I had to, I had to then get very um, detailed in how I spent my money, how I organized my money, how I invested my money. And as a result of generating that business knowledge, um, I started to analyze business in general, read books about business, because I knew that there's something more to uh, real estate than just lead generation. And, and that's important. And, and, and I'm going to ask the audience this question. Uh, the majority of the people that, that are going to be listening to this 
are going to be uh, successful real estate agents. Non-successful real estate agents don't listen to podcasts anyway. We already know that. True. Um, successful real estate agents are going to be listening to this. So this is the question for them. How much time do you think you spend uh, learning how to lead generate? How much time? And, and I assume that if you're a seasoned agent, you're going to say hundreds of hours. I, I believe that to be true whether it be role play, attending seminars to learn how to lead generate better or practicing or whatever, writing your scripts, whatever, um, figuring out your database strategy, whatever that looks like. How much money do you think you've spent on learning how to lead generate? How much money? You know, and I'm sure in some cases, if you've got been a coaching, you've had a coach for 10 years, it might be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Sure. Tens of thousands of dollars. So I'm going to ask you another two, two areas. How much time have you spent learning how to lead a company? Now that answer usually is dramatically lower. Yep. Like none, none to like five hours, 10 hours, 10% of the time I've spent lead generating. How much money do you think you've spent learning how to lead others? Um, and again, the answer is usually 5%, 10% of the time mm -hmm. they spent on lead generation. The next question I would ask is, how much money and time have you spent learning how to run a business? Understanding the rules of business, understanding expansion, when you expand, when you don't expand, market share, operating your business from a PL, learning how to lead, hire the right people, how to lead them, train them, motivate them, keep them going, whether they be administrative or, uh, or salespeople, you know, what have you analyzed to determine whether it makes sense for you to, to stay in your brokerage or go on on your own? I mean, uh, whether you should get involved in a mortgage partnership with a mortgage broker or expand to another area. And usually the answer to that is also 5%, 10% or none mm -hmm. at all of their lead generation time. So our agent base has spent a tremendous amount of time learning how to lead generate, but they haven't spent much time learning how to lead people or lead themselves. So they've studied no real time on leadership. And then they've spent no real time on understanding business and the laws of business and how businesses are run and how to, how to really analyze what it's smart to do to make the next move or not. Mm -hmm. So when they make those next moves, when they make those hires, when they get into leadership, they're, they're not prepared. They're yep. fantastic at lead generation, but they're terrible at the other parts. It's the equivalent of Michael Jordan, the world's greatest basketball player, is one of the worst coaches ever. Yeah, because he's really good at that. But he's that's the equivalent. It's our agents who are great at lead generation that never learn how to lead, train, motivate people, understand the rules of business. That's when they fail. Yeah. And they say, I'll just go back. So then they get frustrated. They reach that ceiling of achievement. And they just say, hey, I'm going to go back and just do it the way I've always done it. And I'll just do what I know. And keep it all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. So now, and I know you have, um, you now have branched off and aside from um, uh, selling, you know, probably several hundred homes a year with your, with your team and the people that you're leading, you're actually coaching people with the, um, outside of the real estate industry on business, um, on being successful. So can you maybe bridge the gap between, so there probably are people out there listening and to avoid going through their dark valley, what are one or two things that you see across the board from real estate business, peers that, that uh, we all know, um, to the businesses that you're coaching that are the one or two pitfalls that you can help somebody maybe avoid 
Um, so they don't have to experience that really, really dark, deep valley that um, is always a potential when you're a business owner. All right. Great. Great. Love it. So uh, I'll start at the beginning there. So yes, I do coach businesses outside of real estate. Uh, I own a company uh, called Integrity Performance Coaching. So we teach business and performance uh, coaching. Uh, we do that for a multitude of businesses outside of real estate. So we do not coach real estate agents. We coach just businesses outside. Okay. Um, it is an entrepreneurial endeavor because like you think, oh, you're a real estate coach. No, I own a real estate company. A real, uh, I'm sorry. I'm a business coach. No, I own a business coaching company right. of which I am a currently a coach. Right. But I will one day replace myself and own that company. Yeah, And just be the owner. Um, and that's the thinking, you know, like as a real estate agent, well, you're just a real estate agent. No, you're not. You're a, a business owner that practices real estate. And you can stay small or you can grow up big. Now, my company is already, uh, you know, all, all throughout the United States and expanding into the Middle East and South Africa. And we've only been open since, uh, you know, less than six months. And we've got wow. coaches and clients throughout, um, throughout all those places already. And like I said, we're, we're dealing with companies as big as Exxon. We're dealing with individual attorney, uh, uh, law firms, uh, CrossFit gyms, uh, you name it, doctor's offices, um, you know, uh, some amazing businesses that challenge us, uh, Etsy businesses. I got a guy who's does $7 million in, um, in uh, eBay white labeling business. So I won't wow. bore you with the details of what that looks like, but that's, that's a challenging business. So um, I, I, I wasn't name dropping there to try to beat my chest to say, look what I'm coaching. But more importantly to say, let me quantify all these different businesses and now answer your question. With all of these different businesses, what is the vein? What is the same vein that we find that they have? Well, number one, people management. Uh, people management is a very, very difficult task. Um, a lot of these companies uh, just don't have the systems to lead, lead, lead people, to hire them effectively, to locate talent, hire them effectively. And then once they do have talent, to train them effectively, retain them, lead them, and motivate them. So that's one of the areas that we spend a lot of time talking about. And a lot of, and a lot of these businesses also, um, they lack the basic fundamentals because there's this entrepreneurial behavior that we have, right? This, this what comes easily and naturally for me. Mm -hmm. I just behave in that style and I build my business to here. And then, I, then all of a sudden I, I get in trouble. I, I can't build it any further, but I have to keep growing it to, to, keep, it, to keep it alive. Yep. And then that's where we bring in systems, models, processes to show them how to break those ceilings to now turn it in from a job uh, or, or being self-employed into an actual business or actually into an investment. Yeah. And so I would say the two biggest issues right now is the lack of systems and models or the lack of adherence to those systems and models. I think they, they have the ideas of what they are. They just don't adhere to them and people management. Um, and as their coach, what we do is we come alongside them at integrity, uh, performance coaching, and we, we walk with them and hold them accountable to their own goals and show them the holes in their own plan. Um, and then oftentimes they don't even have a plan. Yeah. You know, I, one of the guys I, I, I coach, he, uh, he is the world's specialist for 1957 Chevelle cars. <laughs> so that's all he does is buy and sell Chevelle cars. 
And him and I were talking about his business plan. And he was telling me, um, you know, that he was waiting on his junior partner, his operator to, to prepare the plan. And I said, buddy, you're like, we're in January already. Yeah. You're, 90 you're, days late. You're, yeah, you're the company. You're the owner of this company. You know, the number one job of a leader is to de- deliver clarity to the company. Mm-hmm. You don't have a business plan. There's no clarity. So, so, uh, so that was really interesting. And then for him, he noticed uh, in his business that there's another vein that's a natural expansion of his business. And we've been talking about how does he structure that business? So that one was car transport. Because he has to pay to have all these cars that he buys from all over the United States and out of the country sometimes transported to Orlando. They clean them up, they fix them up, and then they resell them. So um, it's an amazing business. But he spends a tremendous amount of money on transport. Mm-hmm. Well, he realized he could own his own transport company, save money by doing that, and then he could, in fact, start using it when he sells his car. Hey, we'll transport it to you. This is what it costs. And this is what we started to figure out when we started talking to him was that um, he may actually have a bigger business in transporting Transport. cars yeah. than he does in, in, in the Chevelles. Yeah, with the actual flipping of these cars. So um, interesting conversation there. And what, what, what it came down to is he didn't have vision. He didn't have a plan. And as his coach, I was able to help him smoke that out as the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's absolutely, I mean, that's the job in, in any industry. I think that's the job of the coach is one is to be able to be far enough removed from the business that you can see some things that maybe the operator doesn't. And they, they may, if they're looking at somebody else, but it's their business, they're too ingrained in it. And then also what you said, which is the, the foundation of all coaching, which is the accountability. I'm going to hold you accountable to do what you said you wanted to do because you'll let yourself down, but you won't let me down. So really, um, really good points there. Um, we're almost out of time finishing up here. And I want to, I see all of your medals and stuff on the back, on the back wall behind you. Tell the audience, kind of give us, because I know parts of that story in, in, you, in, the, in the two years that I've been following it, you've done some pretty amazing stuff. What is all that stuff and where did it come from? Well, thank you. Yeah, so something I'm super proud of is, uh, is that these are all Ironman medals. A lot of them are medals, trophies, plaques uh, surrounding uh, triathlons that I did. And I'm going to give you the brief version of the story here is uh, roughly two and a half, three years ago, I woke up and I had uh, an amazing marriage, which is one of my plans was to be everything to my wife that my dad was never to my mom. I'm the child of a broken home. Um, I had an amazing relationship with my kiddos. I wanted to be the, the father to my kids that my dad was never to me. I had that. I wanted to have a business that mattered. I had that. Um, I wanted to have a relationship with my God. I had that. But I was 330 pounds. Mm. And, you know, you ask yourself, you know, like, hey, buddy, like, what are you complaining about? Like, you got a great marriage. You got a great relationship with your kiddos. You got the money. You got the business. You got the relationship with God. Like, you can't have it all. Like, which one are you going to give up to get your health back? Yeah. And that was the limiting belief that I think I had held on to for a little while there. <clears throat> so I made the conscious decision that I was going to lose the weight. So I went on this journey to lose the weight. And first thing I needed to do was lose the weight. So I lost a bunch of weight. And uh, I woke up one day and I said, I, I want to be an Ironman. I want to do this. But I don't want to do it like everybody else. I want to do 10 Ironman competitions in the next two years. And uh, that's what I did over the course of the next two years. 
I've done uh, 10 Ironman events, a total of uh, over 100 races. Because you can't just like jump into an Ironman. You got to do a 5K. You got to do a 10K race. You got to do a sprint triathlon. You have to do an ocean swim. You have to do a marathon. You have to do a half marathon. You have to do all these other races to prime you up to get you there. And it's more fun when you're racing for a medal and you're jogging and or, uh, than jogging around a neighborhood anyway. Yep. And so I've done over a hundred races. I've lost uh, over 130 pounds. And uh, here's the crazy thing. I've been out of production, out of my businesses for roughly two years. And because I was effective at leading, hiring, leading, training, and motivating people, because I was effective at running a business, I've slow glided down to the same profit that I was at before I left. Mm-hmm. And see, when we talk to business people, we don't, it's not like we're talking to real estate agents. And real estate agents, you are business people. We don't talk about commission. Gross commission is irrelevant. Yep. It's, a, it's a fugazi. It's a fugazi. It's a mystery. It's, it's this fake thing that doesn't exist. It's what they do to give you awards to keep you at their brokerages. But the reality is, is that crack gets you high, but it doesn't do anything for you really. The thing that we really care about is profitability. Yep. How much do you take home once all the expenses are paid? And um, I'm at the same level of profitability after two years of being what I would call a professional Ironman. And last year, I was ranked in the top 100 amateur Ironman in my age division, and I've only been doing it for two years. That's solid. Well, you can have it all. That's the message, right? The message is you can have it all. It, the limiting beliefs that we give ourselves uh, are just limiting beliefs. If you can surround yourself with a good coach or a, a group of men or women uh, that, are, that are succeeding at a higher level, they'll take you with them. I think the problem is, is that for me, I was the, the big fish in the small pond and I figured I had everything I could have and my limit said I was there because I accomplished everything my dad did not accomplish. Yeah. I did the best the Greaves have done, not the best that could be done. And now yeah. I'm striving to the best that could be done. Outstanding. So, man, what a, that, that's a great story um, to finish on. And the part that I, that I hear in there that's so important, I really want to make sure people understand, is the, the correlations in how all parts of your life are intertwined because there's yeah. no doubt that last thing that you had to get right would have been a lot easier to just say, you know what, I got everything else. Let me just, let me let this one go. I'm doing pretty good compared to the other people that I hang out with, that I see around me that have, um, that I'm influenced by. But when you fix that, look at what it did for the rest of it. Now you're actually achieving what you can be, not just better than somebody else, which is, that's huge. Dan, I, I really, I got to say, this was um, a great, great session. A big part of it is thank you for being transparent. I mean, that is that's refreshing. We are in an ego-filled world, an ego-filled industry. And dude, you are about as transparent as they come. You put it all out there. Huge, huge benefit for the people that are listening to this. So anything um, as we kind of finish up that, uh, that you want to kind of leave with the group and um, leave that and let us know how, what's the best way to, to get in touch with you and kind of follow what you're doing? Yes. Yeah, so you're more than welcome to follow me on, uh, on Facebook. I post a lot of my life stuff on there. I I believe in transparency. You hit me on that. One of my themes is to be fully known. There's a verse in the Bible that says, uh, right now we see as uh, as we look into a foggy mirror, but one one day we we shall know fully just as we are fully known. I think that men 
man, humanity, people, they want to be fully known. They want to stop hiding their imperfections and they just want to be fully known. So I've made it a point to use my life to be an ideal of what's possible for a, for a kid that came from a broken home uh, from Long Island, New York, really poor, uh, you know, alcoholic father, a lot of trouble to be where I am right now. I do not want to make people believe that it was all easy and uh, rainbow and canoes, but I want to let them know that it's possible by the choices we make. And, um, and I just chose to make those, to take, make different choices than some of my friends did and, so, and, uh, and most of my relatives. And as a result, I stand before you today, a different man. Um, if anybody wants to email me, uh, I get a ton of referrals from real estate agents for their family members that own businesses. Uh, they can email me at uh, dan at coachipc.com. That's dan at coachipc.com. Or go to integrityperformancecoaching.com and, uh, and, uh, and look us up or, um, or coachipc.com and look us up. I'd be happy to help you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, please, uh, any of the referrals you got in the uh, Florida market and Atlanta, Georgia, um, send them out to, uh, to Dan and anybody that you need know that needs some business coaching would be a great option for them too. So um, finishing up, I'm Brendan Payne with Level Up Podcast. You can find me on um, Facebook, Instagram as well. And thanks again, Dan. I really, really enjoyed it. You got it. God bless you.